the volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How's everyone doing? Super Bowl week is upon us, and I have Colin Coward on the show today, who talked with Tom Brady on his radio television show today. We'll dive into a lot of football stuff, some Super Bowl thoughts, Lamar Jackson, Sean Payton, Tom Brady. We'll discuss it all. Uh, We ended up going, I think, like 45 minutes, so I I will just do a separate mailbag on a different podcast, um, and we'll just have this show, just me and Colin. We'll kind of go from there. Uh, And yeah, we'll just keep rocking and rolling. Hopefully everyone's having a good week. And we've got to enjoy it, man. Only one more football game left. So if you want to get in the mailbag, coming up. Not Maybe I'll put one out Thursday. Definitely we'll have one out for the weekend. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast. Have a podcast out. This one's on Tuesday. Had one on Monday. Also did a mailbag on Sunday. So a lot of content if you haven't got it. Appreciate everyone listening. You can find us on the Volumes YouTube page as well. And uh, yeah, let's dive in the show. Live here on AMP, on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, like the video as well. Subscribe to the 3 and Out podcast. Big week. Super Bowl. Heard a lot of people watch it. Uh, exciting times. A couple big uh, Mahomes, the Eagles, Andy Reid. Hard to get much better. But before we dive in here with Colin Coward, I want to tell you about my friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to the App Store. We all have these smartphones. Download the Game Time app on your phone. And when you do it, type in the promo code John, J-O-H-N, get $20 off tickets to anything, first-time users. But we got a special deal going for you. Whether you're a first-time user, whether you're an existing user, there's a thing called the Super Bowl. You want to come, beautiful Arizona, a lot going on this week, waste management as well. Volume 100. The promo code is volume100. Type that in, get $100 off Super Bowl tickets. So if you're planning on coming, the Phoenix to Scottsdale this weekend. You're an Eagles fan. You're a Chiefs fan. You want to watch your team win their second Super Bowl in not many years. Type in Volume 100 when you download the fastest growing ticket app, the Game Time. Go to your app store, download it, Volume 100, get yourself a deal, and do it now. Well, I'm here with the man I was was telling you before we hopped on. I was at the gym today, and I had FS1 on the television, and all of a sudden I look up, and I see this beautiful man next to Colin Coward, and it's no other than Tom Brady, who looked tanner than you, Colin. He looked fantastic. He's he's a good-looking guy. He is. He is. I said during the interview, never try to limit your appearances on a TV screen next to Tom Brady. Uh, he and Jesse Palmer make even a moderately, um, you know, redeemable guy and i think moderately redeemable is where i classify you look like uh you're out bailing hay uh, you've been in a you've been in a ditch for six hours next to brady 
You did a thing a long time ago on your old your the old place that when you walked in the hallways and you crossed Jesse Palmer, you just realized it was it wasn't a fair game for all of us, right? <laughs> I mean, he's Jesse's a good looking guy. I would take an exit. I just jump into an office. Didn't even I didn't want to be seen in the same space. So, uh, but Brady was in New York doing something with his son, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I, I tried to butter. I had a joke to start because I know you know there's Tom on that podcast kind of has control of it. Yeah. So I wanted to lighten up the mood with a Mike Vrabel thought because I know he's close with Vrabel. And it got Tom in a good mood, and we were off and rolling for about 12, 15 minutes. But, you know, it was very gracious. I've, you know, I've interviewed almost, I think, everybody, you know, Tiger Woods, Barack Obama, Trump, uh, you know, every coach, anybody I've wanted. uh, He was one of the last ones. So it was great. Well, I got two things on it. To me, one thing that stood out, you asked him a very direct question. Is there a 1% chance of you coming back? And the thing I noticed... And I understand it's, you know, this game has meant the light. It's his life. It's his identity. He refused to use the word retirement. And he, I mean, he kind of beat around the bush, but he did not say like, it's not like he easily could have said, Colin, under no chance, I'm I'm taking this year off next year, be at Fox, but I am not coming back under any circumstances. He, he kind of went the Belichickian worked around it. What, what would your take on that? Well, I, you know, now his business is on the East Coast, right? So, I mean, Tom will be able to throw the football. He set two NFL records this year. So Tom will be able to throw the football in 10 years from now. As Drew Bledsoe always says, you don't lose the arm. You lose the legs. You lose the desire. Yeah. So Tom, if Tom stays in shape, I don't doubt. And in, in, let's say the Niner thing just implodes totally, and they call him in August and say, can you play October 1st? I think you take the phone call um you know i the, the niners one even though it's cross country the roster is so good you know there's just there's part of me that thinks how would he not take the call because it's not a quarterback demanding job it's a quarterback friendly job now when i watched brady at the beach i thought it was over and his answer today though he didn't give a definitive i still think it's over but I let's let's say I retired and I meant it. What if a year later, like the greatest job ever is offered, I'd probably pick the phone up. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like Tom looks great, still has a great arm, just was in an offense that completely, utterly depended on him and got them to win the division. So I think he's done. But just because you're done doesn't mean you know, he's not only a football player, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneurs always pick the phone up. You know, I, obviously I lived in Northern California a long time and, you know, you're a fan of your team, but as you grow older, whether you play or whether you just do different things, that separates. But there is an element of one, the guy loves to win and the team is set up to win. And two, like I lost my dad a couple years ago and, you know, you've lost parents. There is a unique part as your parents age if you do have the opportunity to do something special with them. So that's I'd be shocked if not just Kyle Shannon, but I bet Josh McDaniels as well. Uh, those two teams to me are going to have a conversation with this man. Now, whether Tom comes back, but those conversations are going to be had. Yeah, just because you retire doesn't mean people can't reach out. Exactly. To you. 
<laughs> so I, I think Tom is retired. It felt authentic to me. But, um, you know, listen, Troy Aikman got phone calls. Drew Brees has gotten phone calls. Um, that's the way the game is. Like when you retire and you're great, you know this, three to four teams every year get trapped. Every year. Happens in training trapped. camp. So, yeah, I mean, it's like Tom's going to get calls. I think he's going to say no to all of them. But the Niners, because of the roster, <laughs> you at least take the call, pour yourself pour yourself a pint and sit and talk for 30 minutes and laugh. You know, I mean, you have to take the call. You know, and last thing on Tom, one thing I found funny is a lot of people, you know, the media critics and Twitter or whatever think, you know, it's Greg Olson has done a great job. And listen, he's 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 good. And he seems like a fantastic guy. But it's crazy that Tom Brady just gets to come in and take the job, no experience. The reality is there's a small percentage of people, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, if they want the number one gig, I don't care who it is, they're getting replaced. Unless it's John Madden, Tom Brady sitting in that seat regardless who's there. It's just there's a level of fame that Tom has amassed, I would say, the last five or six years, taking him to another stratosphere. That it, it's just great, great, but Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I stay out of those conversations. Greg is fantastic. Um, and now Tom announced that Greg's going to do it again with Kevin Burkhart. Yeah. Because um, I think Tom really, A, needs to exhale and B, wants to figure out how to do this to be great at it. Yeah. So that'll be something that my bosses figure out. You know, they don't include me in those conversations. Like, right. So um, I don't know. I, I'm glad that I'm a broadcaster. And I don't really have to do that because the one thing Fox does a remarkable job at, they're really good at it, is production. Um, when I worked at ESPN, there were there were tons of talented people, but I didn't think we were overly creative. Uh, some of, I mean, ESPN's had that NBA pregame show for 20 years. I still don't think they ever get it perfectly right. Um, Fox figured out soccer quickly. Took yeah. them about two years to figure out golf, their World Series coverage, their college football Big Ten, the show they did with Urban Meyer. From a production standpoint, Fox does TV really well. Yeah. Everything feels big. And so Brady feels huge. So he's a natural choice for Fox. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do in a year. I, I just know, you know, Tom signed on as the number one guy. Greg Olson, and this doesn't surprise me at all, is amazing. I've known yeah. Greg for over 10 years. So I'm glad somebody else does that. But, you know, I thought, you know, today I, I, because I, I had thought about it, I, I thought, I'm going to ask Tom, dude, can't you just, I mean, wouldn't you want to, you've been playing football for 40 years, probably 38. It's like, I'd want to take a big, long exhale. And he did. You know, I, I hadn't read the story, but I saw your take, and then I Googled it, the the, the Tony Romo intervention. And I, I think one underrated part, I, I remember getting hired in the NFL and just thinking, like, I know football and just realizing how many players were in the league, how many moving parts, how much is going on, how much work it takes, whether you're a coach, whether you're a GM, whether you call games to follow the league. I mean, truly know it. Like, who is the fourth wide receiver on the Jags? And... You know, you saw Romo taking a lot of shit. Well, part of it, the, the amount of effort it takes to truly be all in in football is very difficult. 
Just it, by well, far is the most amount of players. It has the most inventory every year of new guys coming in. Guys get cut all the time. Random guys. You can watch any game, whether it's the Niners or the worst team in the league, and they got a random dude that was in the XFL a year ago. It, it, it is time consuming. This is not the NBA where seven people play. Yeah, that's what I said about Romo is that um, the league turns over every three years. Now, I, I I joked about golf as an aside. I said, I think Tony wants to play on the tour. Yeah, well, he and- does. He does. He does. He he hits so, balls. Uh, you know, people. A lot of people tagged me and said, "John, I said, well, I, I found a way to monetize golf. Big difference. Yeah, bring a revenue stream uh, to the volume. The people who do um, golf is addictive, and I've known a lot of people that go down it and um, they fall in love with golf and fall out of love with their job. But um, you know, the one thing with Tony Romo is that Tony's always had, even as a player his style was sort of winging it. I mean, he winged it. That's what it always felt like. Yeah. So that's what he's like as a broadcaster. By the way, Peyton Manning was surgical in his preparation. Well, if you watch the Mannings on Monday night, Peyton Manning's got so much information. It's, it's insane. insane. It's nuts. I know. So you become Aikman. And Aikman's another guy. Very prepared as a player very prepared as a broadcaster. So I think you become what you were as a player. So Brady, Brady will be fantastic. And again, however that whatever happens, happens, it's none of my business, but work work ethic is not the question with Tom. Yeah. It's that's why when he said, I want to take a year off, I think Tom just, he'll do a deep dive on everything. And, and, um, you know, I can't wait to hear him. I, but when, you know, I heard, uh, I forget who it was. You'll see a lot of people have predicted, well, you know, I I don't know how he'll be. He's not a guy that fails a ton. No. Peyton Manning's not a guy that fails a ton. I mean, a classic example, Charles Barkley was known as a bad practice player. Um, and he doesn't do a ton of prep on TNT. Now, he's just naturally funny, and that's what comes off. But they yeah. joke that he doesn't follow a lot of the teams. Well, he wasn't a great practice player. He struggled with his weight. He wasn't really great in terms of nutrition and commitment. So that's what he is as a broadcaster. He just is so naturally funny and likable that he pulls it off. You know, my first reaction last week when Sean Payton took the job was one, if you're Denver, no-brainer hiring him. If you're a Denver Broncos fan, they got a lot of them, I'd be fired up. And my first reaction was like, God, that's pretty risky. You know, they, the quarterback situation. And then I realized, like, part of what, you know, ambitious, confident, like, it was risky for you to start the volume. It was risky when you moved companies to come to FS1. Like, part of getting the reaping big time rewards is taking risks. Andy Reid went to the Chiefs. They had the number one overall pick. They did not have a quarterback at the time. So, confident, talented people take big risks because typically they know deep down the percentage and the, the chances of them succeeding at that. Are relatively higher. You see, today there was a story already changed out the towels. Like he's on everything. This guy is going in there like a bull in a china shot. That thing is gonna, it's gonna be hard for him to fail. Now the quarterback situation, Russell's got to be better. And if he's just shot, then that's gonna Listen, be a problem. But so now they have a last place schedule. So that's it. That helps. Secondly, um they at the end of the year they actually played Kansas City tight. They played better. So yeah. when Hackett left the building about two weeks later, they got competent. So I, I said this today. 
it's not like you're going from a, a solid coach who got fired, Vic Fangio, absolutely excellent one side of the ball. You're not going from Vic Fangio to Sean Payton. You're going from Freddie Kitchens yeah. to Sean Payton. You're going from somebody that just isn't a head coach to Sean Payton. And how many games do they win? Three or four or five? Now, the I saw their schedule. The schedule's easier. And now you have a world-class coach instead of a coordinator. Um, so, and by the way, Derek Carr is out of the division. Tom Brady's retired. So what if the Raiders are less competent? Um, I, the, the over under, I had guessed it would be eight and a half. It was, I got lucky on that with the staff. I said in the morning meeting, uh, the day it was announced, I said, they've got to be eight and a half. And that's what it was. I would bet the over. I think it's a nine to a 10 win team schedules easier. The defense still good. You know, this, the cap flexibility is a problem, but what's not is getting draft picks. You can get draft picks very quickly in this league by moving people. The Rams could trade Jalen Ramsey and get a first and a four, and suddenly they have all their picks. Yeah. You, you can make moves if you have elite players. Uh, you would never want to move Patrick Sertan. But if you had to move a Jerry Judy or you had to move somebody, you can get second, third, fourth round picks real quick. The other thing is having a powerful offensive coach, <clears throat> you can draft and hit on good players or turn them into good players in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. He had a lot of guys over his tenure that impacted their teams that were not second round picks. The, the, you know, Marcus Colson, Jimmy Graham, I wasn't a top a first round pick. You can get really good players when you have an offensive coach who's also the play caller in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And that to me is where he comes through. Where, where when you're paying a guy $17 million, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, that, that's where it impacts you. Yeah. He, Sean told me. Um, off the air, he said, basically, we want to make our offense basketball on grass. He goes, if you look at what Russell does well. And by the way, when Hackett left last couple of weeks, John, Russell Wilson moved more and yeah. the offense was more successful. They want to play to Russell's strength, which is elusiveness, mobility, um, the, the soft, deep ball. Um, you know what I think happened? Is that Hackett had an offense went to Denver, it was Aaron's offense, and it wasn't built for Russell. And he just didn't have a second offense. Whereas Peyton has had a Taysom Hill offense, yeah, a Drew Brees offense, a Dalton offense. So Sean has been doing this a long, long time. I just don't think um, Hackett had an offense in his repertoire for Russell. And that's why they, when we kept screaming, change the offense. He didn't have it. You're asking somebody to throw Kershaw's curve, and they don't throw the curve. So that's why it was so bad. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Okay, right now, download FanDuel. Use the promo code COLLINS, C-O-L-I-N. You can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything. Money line, point spreads, who's going to score the first touchdown? The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. Join FanDuel today. Promo code Colin. 
to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. In Michigan, 1-877-HOP. P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Yeah, let's transition to the Super Bowl. You know, I, I was looking a couple days ago. When you, the coach and the quarterback that win two Super Bowls together, it's a pretty short list, especially in modern day. I would say like starting Walsh, Montana on. A lot of teams that won multiple Super Bowls did it with multiple, you know, multiple quarterbacks. And Andy and Mahomes, obviously Belichick and Brady have six. Montana and Walsh have three. Shanahan and Elway have the two, but it happened at the end of Elway's career, so it didn't get to happen over a long period of time, which who knows, maybe they had more. I would say the outlier is Coughlin and Eli that had these two unique runs, but it wasn't like a prolonged success. I don't know if anyone's ever catching Belichick and Brady. You would bet against it winning six Super Bowls together as a head coach and a quarterback. But I think Andy Mahomes, if they knock this thing out Sunday, do have an opportunity one day to kind of be right there as the modern day version of Walsh in Montana. Well, when Belichick ran the league for 20 years, most of 20 years, there was certainly an argument in the last 15 of those years. Andy Reid was the second best coach. He was getting to the NFC Championship four or five times in a Super Bowl. And he was one of the coaches that gave Belichick problems. Then he goes to Kansas City, two wins to, I think, 11 overnight. And then he's he's um, at the end of Bill's great New England days, and he was beating him um, with Mahomes. And so I argued this. When Bill was running the league, Andy was arguably the second-best coach. With Andy now running the league, Bill's not second. He's, he's struggling to get into the playoffs. We view like Shanny or McVay yeah. or Peyton. And so my takeaway is Andy is 64. If he coached to 68 and won two to three of these things, I think we would look at it differently, which would be when the rules lean to Bill, he won Andy was second. When the rules lean to Andy, he was one. Bill wasn't second. So that I think it's going to even things out, and fair historians will say Andy and Bill are way closer. By the way, Bill got fired in Cleveland, can't win big without Tom. Andy's won with a lot of people. I would say this for Coach Reed. I remember being at the Combine in 2009, right after they had won the Super Bowl, and a buddy of mine on the staff was like, you know what's crazy is we had a, we had a week or two off after we won the Super Bowl. You know, everyone celebrated. And I drove by the facility and I looked and Coach Reed's car was there. And I had the opportunity, worked in the office for a couple of years. I've never, I've been around a lot of successful, high, I've never seen a work ethic like this. To me, the only thing that's going to stop this man from coaching, he's a bigger guy, it would be health. His love and passion for the game. And obviously with Mahomes, like I, I, he's going to coach until he can't coach. You know, and Coach Reed, he's in this for the long haul. 
So I, I think the Chiefs, I mean, they've already built like they're kind of the, if they win this, they're the dynasty of kind of this era, but they're not going away. I mean, they got all these young defensive backs. Pacheco's a young player. They got all these draft picks. They got a dynamic GM. Like, I think the Chiefs are kind of in this thing for the long haul. Like this ain't just a cute little five-year run. I mean, this is a much more sustainable, like Holmgren and Favre. Well, then Holmgren left to Seattle and Favre kind of, like this thing's going to go for a while. Oh, I think so. I think the only thing that is in the way of it is Andy Reid retiring. Yeah, that would be a problem. So, and I said this today, Andy retires. Let's say they win and he retires. Who who do you hire? Eric Bieniemy? No. I mean, Eric Bieniemy didn't get a job interview in Chicago and the GM was formerly in Kansas City. He didn't get an I, interview. I, I think it'd be Matt Nagy. You know, I know he struggled in Chicago, but him and Veach played college football together. Him and Mahomes are tight. Again, I, I don't you I don't know. I don't know anything. I, I would be stunned if Andy retires in the near future. Hell, again, he's family stuff, but I, I think the Chiefs and I, I think he knows. I mean, obviously he was there with young Favre. He's seen McNabb, the little Vic. Th- this is as special as it gets. I mean, that quarterback a couple weeks ago. That was a a legendary performance on a bum ankle in a game against an all time. Joe Burrow is going to be an all time great player. I mean that that's going to go down as one of his defining moments. Even if he goes on to win four more Super Bowls, I was actually blown away by Steve Spagnola because Burrow has really evened out his game. So his first year he gets hurt. His second year he was mostly good, but he had some stinkers. Remember the game against Chicago? He had like yeah. three picks and three passes. So he was uneven. This year, he he didn't have a bad Sunday. Now, week one, first game off surgery, he struggled. He didn't have another bad Sunday until the Chiefs. Um, and it was like, we didn't we don't view Kansas City as a great defense. So Spags got after him in the first half. Um gave him some problems with rookies in the back end in the second half. So are we watching are we watching a defense of the Chiefs that situationally is just better than we think? Because Burrow this year just did not have bad Sundays. I mean he went about 60 he went 15, 16 weeks. He was good every Sunday. Well that to me Sunday is the Niners for about a quarter and a half until that thing fell apart had a game plan against Jalen. Pick us apart, bro. Pick us apart. We don't think you're, you're missing throws. We are not going to just rush up the field. We're going to make you beat us with your arm. And he couldn't do it. And I heard Greg Cosell. He did not. He did not look good. He didn't really have to do anything for the game. And to me, that's the game plan: is make him beat you with his arm. Do not overrush him. I think that's the most fascinating part about this game. The Jalen Hurts early in the season was so dynamic, it didn't matter. Like he could make plays because he can turn into a running back. This version. It's hard to quantify because you don't see him limping. You don't see him holding his shoulder, but something is off. And who knows? Maybe now we've had two weeks. Maybe he's healthier. But if the version that we saw Jalen against the 49ers, I mean, I, I like the Chiefs in this game if that's the guy playing. Yeah, he just didn't have any touch. So, um, and you're going to have to have touch. And then let's be fair Super Bowls are different. Um, it's different playing at home um, against the Giants. Yeah. Or Brock Purdy goes out. And he looked a little off against Brock Purdy. Now you're facing Mahomes, neutral field, a lot of Chiefs fans. That's a totally different ballgame. And again, although there's rookies everywhere in the back end, uh, I hope Sneed concussion protocol can play for the Chiefs. He fortunately gets a long break. But um, 
I can see scenarios where Andy Reid dials it up. Chiefs take a lead. A lot of, you know, multiple sets, a lot of stuff they haven't seen. All of a sudden, Philadelphia gets down. Jalen is a little tight for a series. Kansas City gets it again, goes up 10-0 or 14-0. All of a sudden, Hurts now is really tight. I can see that scenario. I mean, Kansas City, you know, early in Mahomes' career, he'd fall into these huge deficits and come roaring back. Yeah. The new Patrick Mahomes has taken leads. <laughs> so he's he's obviously better at uh staying on the script early, uh not veering from it, taking leads. So I, I can absolutely see Kansas City winning the coin toss, taking it, taking a lead, and thinking, and Andy thinking, guys, let's make Jalen Hurts play from behind, neutral field. You know, Super Bowls are different. Everybody's a little tight. No, I, I know. I mean, I heard you on the show today. You lean in Eagles a little bit, it's assuming Jalen's well, healthy. I I I I said this today. I know the chin will be available. Will Jalen land the punch? There yeah. are matchup advantages for Philly. They have the better roster, but I want to see him. Um, he didn't land. He couldn't land against San Francisco. They they just basically fell apart. So I know Mahomes will land his opportunities. I don't think he'll have as many. So my my initial my gut feeling was the matchup really favors Philadelphia. If you told me Jalen Hurts. If you told me Jalen Hurts' first half line and said, okay, he's, you know, he he's seven for 12, I'd be like, mm, they're, they're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, I think it's very obvious what, what Kansas City and Spags want to do. It's exactly what D'Amico Ryan's oh, wanted man. to do. Make Jalen beat us, and he didn't look good. I saw this story, uh, Jeremy Fowler wrote that there's a chance that the Ravens and Lamar are more than a hundred or potentially a hundred million dollars apart. Yeah. And y- you've talked for a long time about like Kyrie's a bad business partner. Like it's just bad to be in business with him. Well, part of just doing a deal with the player, like it's one thing if I think you're a $10 million player and you think you're a 12 and we can bridge, if you're trying to sell me a home and your home's worth 2 million and I offer 1.8, we can figure it out. But if your home's worth two and I'm offering 600,000, we ain't going to get a deal done. So it's starting to get to the point like a hundred million. Th- this these aren't eight hundred million dollar contracts. That's what are we talking about here? Like, listen, I understand this outlier contract of Deshaun Watson, but it feels like Lamar starting to be in La La Land a little bit about what's going on because hundred million dollars. This is the NFL. That that is most contracts. Ninety nine percent of players don't sign hundred million dollar contracts. What what are we doing? Well, we know by watching Lamar Jackson. He's wildly emotional. He he gets so mad at Lamar, right? So he's young. He's emotional. So when he has his mom as an agent and not somebody who does this professionally, that means um, the reason I have an agent, just to keep me out of it. Yeah. He feels very much in it. So you're talking about a young man who's highly emotional, probably feels slighted, disrespected and there's probably a lot of you know there's probably a little bit of turbulence in this thing and and so i could see you know they have offered him a con i think they offered him 133 million so if they're 100 off he wants 233 what i wonder is this is if he's not going to use an agent 
uh, it's it just going to be an emotional relationship. Totally agree. Would you move him? Because you could get with somebody with picks. I mean, Seattle has two ones, two twos, two fours. If you're Baltimore, it's like, we'll give you Lamar today. Give us one of your ones, one of your twos, one of your fours, and a one next year. Baltimore drafts, John, and develops really, really well. We'll take Geno, and we'll draft another quarterback. The Jets would also, they're an emotional franchise that are desperate. I, I think when you look at Lamar, that word emotion is a good one because it goes back to the combine. One guy said you should play receiver. They got all up in their emotions. They refused to run. It's like, Lamar, if you had just ran the 40, you would have ran like a 4-2-8 or a 4-3-1. There's not a snowball's chance in hell you're lasting to pick 32 when you run that fast. You, you would have gone way higher and said you've fallen. You need to somehow separate this because this is a disaster right now. You, you don't have anyone who can go shop you around right now because everything is so close to the best. This is starting to fall apart. I used to be on his side. Like, listen, they are so they're, you know, his success and their success are clearly tied. John Harbaugh is going to get fired before he came around. But now this is going like Lamar, you're going to start getting some bad advice and you're going to get traded. I, I, I'm with you. I think I do wonder with Seattle. They feel like this is th- their shot to like, it, assuming they love one of these quarterbacks to kind of, you know, John Schneider loved Russell Wilson, was big on Josh Allen. And I could see him having one of these three guys at the top really love and go all in for him. You know, he's, you got to give him his credit. Like when it comes to quarterbacks, they've had a pretty keen eye, even Gino, like they, they were proven to be pretty right on that one. Well, again, Seattle has so. Because part much of trading draft. for Lamar, Colin, you'd then have to give him $190 million or whatever he wants, right? It's a double whammy. You got to trade and then pay. Well, Seattle, though, not only do they have draft capital, they're going to move off Jamal Adams here pretty quick. Yeah. They both tackles free. Um, running back, Kenneth Walker, both corners. They hit the draft out of the park, John. They got six draftees that are starting. That's six starters you're not paying anything to. So Seattle, um, and, and by the way, they have. I think they need another receiver, but if you bring Lamar in, DK Metcalf and Lockett are more than enough, and Noah Fant and Will Disley. So Seattle's got draft capital. They're going to move off Jamal Adams, I think, because I think they like their other safeties. Um and my takeaway with Seattle is they're not paying a lot of people. They're not. And Lamar, though expensive, would not be Mahomes expensive, would not be Josh Allen expensive. I mean, I could see Seattle giving them a one, a two, a four, and you'd still have a one, two, and a four. You know, on another quarterback, Derek, listen, there's unless you got Josh Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, potentially Herbert, and we'll see on Lawrence, mm-hmm. like, most of these guys under 30, you're not going to, you're not winning a Super Bowl, you know, unless your team is stacked like the Eagles. But you have Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, and Derek Carr. Do I love paying those guys $35, $40 million? No. But if your team, if you're a well run operation, you're going to make the playoffs. And if you make the playoffs, that means all season long, your team matters. And that's worth a lot. Like ultimately, the Vikings this year, 13 wins, Jerry, 12 wins. They were never winning the Super Bowl to begin with, but going to the second round, how hosting a playoff game is worth a lot to the owner. To me, Derek has a lot of value. He, if you just get him in a stable organization, you put him with the Saints, maybe you get him with Frank in the, in the Carolina, if that gets you 10 win in the playoffs, th- that is well worth 30, $32 million, is it not? I think I, 
this one seems obvious. He's going to get Frank cut. Wright. He's going to get cut here, I think, in a week because he's not going to get traded. So if you're cut, like if you're Carolina and you want him, wouldn't you give somebody a pick to secure him? Would you if if it's if he's cut, what's the order in which you have to buy to get him? But I would just tell his agent, we will give him like a three-year contract. You know, I'll okay. give you three years, $90 million and guarantee us 60 of it. Like, I will give you way more money than what we trade for you, but we want to give you a multi-year deal. Not even just some one, 30. We will give you several years. And you can still draft a guy in the second or third round and figure it out as you go. But you get someone who comes in and can play. Say what you want about Cousins. Since he's been at Minnesota, he has not been their main problem. Does he have flaws? Will he dump it down on fourth down in the playoffs? Yeah. Yes, but you're in the playoff game. Think how many think how many teams in the league would have died to be in that spot. Hosting a playoff game, 13 wins. So yeah, yeah. I, I I think Derek, the smart business move, no trade clause, cut me, because someone's gonna get I'm too good of a quarterback. I'm too high level of a guy. I've never been in trouble. I mean, I I played for well, the Raiders. Also, Derek doesn't want to go to a place that had to surrender picks. He wants them to have their draft capital. Yeah. So if Derek has a no trade clause, which he does, Derek can say no, 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 no to all of them. So Derek control has all the leverage here. For sure. Then he gets cut. And then, you know, one of the things I, I saw a story about Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders today, and my takeaway is you're going to have no roster flexibility with Aaron's contract because they also paid Jacobs, Colton Miller, Max, Chandler, Waller. So you have no roster flexibility. You can't give up that and picks. So when people say, well, give the give the Packers two ones and two twos, those are four starters in two years on defense. Like you, you this is what Denver's in. Denver's like, we got no cap roster flexibility, and we don't have any picks. So to me, um, the Raiders are in a weird spot. Um, I think. I honestly think the NFC is so weak, John, that Derek Carr, Frank Reich, and that defense win that division going away. I agree. Totally agree. I mean, I they could win, they could be hosting multiple playoff games next year. Absolutely. Just, you know, this I forgot about Aaron. You got I could never let you out of here without an Aaron Rodgers. What, what's your how do you think this all plays out? 51% Green Bay. I think Green you, Bay. Wait, you still you still think he might stay? Yes, because I always come back to Green Bay. Minnesota's not going to go 11-0 in one-score games. That doesn't work that way. The year before, they lost them all. This year, they won them all. So you can just take three or four of those. Because with Cousins, you don't blow a lot of people out. You don't. There's a ceiling. So they're going to hire Brian Flores on defense. So they will be better defensively. So they may be a better overall team, but they're not going to go 11-0 in one-score games. If Aaron stayed, they addressed the tight end position and an edge rusher. They got all their picks. I, I think they're going to win the division. Bears still stink. I don't trust Detroit. So, and Minnesota will come back down to earth. I still think that's the place where Aaron can host a playoff game. Aaron is being very casual about his future. And I think it's actually a brilliant business decision. Because whoever goes and gets Aaron, you can't give up a lot of loot no. to get him. And so, and Aaron's smart. Remember when Mello forced his way to the Knicks and the Knicks had no leverage, had to give a ton up. 
Mello arrived in New York and he was a $20 million chandelier in an empty house. They had no yeah. players. So by Aaron saying, I may play, I may not. I mean, the Raiders will go, okay, can we get two ones? And you're like, how about a one and two twos? I'm not sure you can get more on the market. I know I've talked to Ajima about this. What are you willing to give up for a guy that can retire after a year? Well, to me, think about his contemporaries, right? Obviously, Brady was like, I'm playing to like I'm 50. You know, I'm never going to quit. Manning never would have quit if his arm didn't fall off. Breeze couldn't throw. If you traded for those guys when they were still as good as Aaron, you just knew they were going to play until they couldn't play anymore. Aaron has been talking about retirement now consistently for several years, and he's doing weird stuff. I think if he operated like Peyton or Breeze, teams would have no problem. I'll give you two ones for 30 if a guy of might course. play four more years, but he's the opposite. Yeah, you think he's so doing it, it specifically be- to limit, or that's actually what he thinks? Well, I said today, I don't know. It may be an incidental, accidental stroke of genius. Yeah. But it does pretty much guarantee that whoever trades for him won't have to give up as much as if I agree. He, instead of saying, I'm playing forever. So, I mean, I, I think I always put myself in the spot. If I'm the Raiders GM, I'd be like, all right, I'll, I want Aaron, but I can get Garoppolo. And not give up anything. I'll give you two ones. That's it. No more picks. No more. I would do two ones for Aaron, but I wouldn't give you more than that. That's it. Um, and when you consider he was an MVP, back to back MVP, you know, two years ago, that's not a lot. Go look what Russell Wilson fetched. I think the way you have to do it is that second pick is based on like if we have success my first year and he yes. returns, then yes. that c- if we make the AFC championship game, I'll give you two ones. If he retires on me, that one turns into a four, you know, something. But th- th- there has to be some. We're taking on some risk here because this guy could be, you know, I- in the jungles in South America. You know, I don't know where he's going to be. Right. right. Uh, I-, I saw your guy Clat blasting the USC recruiting class. I, I know you got any uh, any thoughts on the, the players, Lincoln's. He, he didn't love not-, not enough defense in the class. Any, well, any Colin Coward thoughts on that one? Yeah, my thoughts are when you have Caleb Williams, to 18 year, do 18-year-olds do you any good next year? He's Probably bringing not. in 21-year-old players who were like all conference guys. So he brings in one of the best corners in the conference and one of the best receivers from Arizona. He brings in a top linebacker from Oklahoma State. They're going for the national championship next year. They're not, they're not going for – they brought a running back in from South Carolina. He's a five-star guy. So I think the way Lincoln looks at it is, listen, if we were rebuilding at quarterback, it's the long play. Yeah. It's not. They believe they were two plays from 13 wins, and they wouldn't have been blown out if Caleb stayed healthy. So they believe everybody on their schedule – They're go- and they will be a better defensive team. They have better personnel. They're deeper. But the reason they went light on high schoolers is because they're playing for a national title next year. That's how they view it, a playoff spot. Well, those 18-year-olds can be five-star. They're not going to play. They're not going to get on the field. They had a kid this year, uh, Relique Brown. He was a running back five-star kid. Clever player. Had no real impact. Probably six plays all year. Um, because they had like Austin Jones and they had Travis Dye. We're like four years older. 
So they've been in a college weight room for four years. They're just, they're just men. So, I mean, I looked at USC's recruiting class, their high school recruiting class this year. They brought in about 15 kids. They have two that are going to play. One of them, Zacharian Branch, is a wide receiver. He will play. He's he's Reggie Bush on the perimeter. He is yeah. a wildly explosive player. He will play. Um, the linemen won't. Uh, they brought in a linebacker from Louisiana. He'll be a rotational player. But I'm not sure any of them outside of Branch have a chance to start. And they're mostly four-star kids. So uh, this is not... Remember, when Nick Saban started in Alabama, the transfer portal didn't exist like this. So he was building for the long haul. And even Nick brought in multiple junior college guys those first three years because Nick didn't want to wait four years to rebuild. He wanted to be a title contender by year two, and I think he won it in year three. Yeah. So this, this I think next year they'll probably wean off the portal a little well, here's where the portal's really effective, John. There's fewer whiffs. You have yeah. tape. They're Division One. You bring in 12 guys, 11 can play that day. So even Saban in a 25-person class, Saban, eight guys can't play. And there's another eight that either academically, physically, emotionally, they underachieve. You get about eight guys a class who live up to the four to five star. That's with Saban. So uh, I think the future is transfers. At least half your class totally have agree. to be transfers. So do you think there's pressure on him to obviously win the conference and just at minimum make it to the playoffs when he's got you know maybe the best I prospect they've ever had? I don't even think it's pressure. I think I think he looks at Caleb as easily the best player in the country. So and they've asked Caleb to help in recruiting with these yeah. portal transfer kids. So it's like, what, what do we? So they went to Arizona and they got this kid Singer, a wide receiver. Well, he's going to be a late first, early second round pick. So if I get a five star receiver, he's not as good as that kid. He ate USC's DBs alive last yeah. year, and they and Lincoln told people we got to get that guy. Yeah. By the way, they also had a corner that was really good. Lincoln's like, we got to get that guy. They took so, some of Jed's I mean, guys. Jed couldn't have been yes. happy. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> no, but that's, you know, it's college football in 2023. You got to do right. whatever you can to keep your guys. I and mean, it's part of the deal. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, again, I think Caleb is the first quarterback. I mean, very few quarterbacks they put in the Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence class where they're going to succeed regardless of, of mismanagement. I think Caleb may be the third guy. I think he's that good. Yeah, I think he's one of the biggest. He'll be one of the most anticipated college stars in a long time. Yeah, you know, just Luck was a, obviously a great college player, and he was fun to watch for the football nerds, but this guy's running around. He's got a little bit stronger of an arm, a little more just the casual fan. You, you don't need to be Bill Polian to realize that, geez, a little Michael Vick to him, but he also can kind of throw like Luck. It's just this guy might just be, I mean, he's going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah, he will. Drake okay. May second. Yes, pretty good quarterback draft. So uh, you know, if you if you suck this year and your team does, you might as well uh, enjoy it because it might lead to greatness. Yeah. Well, Colin, uh, when are you headed out to uh, Arizona, I'm doing the Wednesday show from Los Angeles. I get on a flight to Phoenix. Go to the volume party. Are you going to be there? Of course, I will see you there. Yep. 
Then Thursday, Friday, do the shows. And then I fly back Saturday morning where I'm going to hang out and watch the game from home and take notes as I do every year. That's what I do. So uh, I can't wait. I'm excited. Well, I'll see you Wednesday and uh, have a good week. All right, buddy. volume.